There's a common belief that disruptive ideas scale faster. Um, is that true? Like, is disruption enough to scale innovation? What else is needed to scale innovation? And what what are your thoughts on this whole concept of disruptive versus incremental uh, in the context of scaling? Yeah, I mean, I think I think. Yeah, disruptive ideas can certainly scale faster. They can also flame out a lot faster too. I think the the key thing is that companies need to think about it from a portfolio perspective. So you can't just be thinking about one disruptive idea that I'm looking to do. You've got to be thinking about maybe a few disruptive and probably several or lots of different incremental things um, because you're going to learn a lot throughout managing that portfolio um, and not everything's going to work. And I think... I think to your point, Jeff, about having the the innovation heaven, I think one of the reasons we may have a perception that disruptive ideas scale faster is because we only hear the successes. Right. We don't, you know, maybe it's the innovation graveyard, you know, and it's and we celebrate big disruptive ideas because they're they're the sexy ones, let's be honest. You know, those yep. everyday incremental innovation ones, they're not gonna make it in in mainstream media. And that's you know, that's not what we celebrate generally. But I think if we if we look at what makes a disruptive idea scale quickly and be very successful, I think there's a couple of characteristics. Um, one, one is a clear understanding of what's a problem that we're solving. And I think that clarity around not only the idea, but the teams and their performance. And as those ideas move throughout the rest of the organization, that clarity really helps with velocity. And that um, the ability to communicate on all fronts around it as well, I think are really helpful in scaling those disruptive ideas much quicker. So Carla, in your book, Rethink Innovation, you actually lay out a process. You lay out an approach in order to help scale innovation. Would love to hear more about that. Absolutely. And one of the things that I came to believe very strongly while I was researching my book is that innovation really is everybody's business. I think there's a perception that there's a particular group or a team or a department that's responsible for innovation. But if you look at all of the aspects and characteristics and activities and behavior that has to happen to make an idea successful, that's putting a lot of responsibility on the shoulders of a, of a very small team. And the more that we can open, open the doors and make innovation everybody's business across the organization, the better the culture to support innovation. And, and Jeff, you alluded to this just a few minutes ago. And what I looked at is when I researched highly prolific, highly successful over long periods of time, innovators, was there a pattern? And actually there is a pattern that they, that they use to come up with ideas. And after, after defining the problem clearly that they were trying to solve, they all followed the same five-step process, whether they realized it or not. And one is, and I love this when I, when I have an opportunity to be around prolific innovators, is that they are highly, highly observant to the world around them. And they notice all of these little minutiae things that I think many of us lose or just don't pay attention to in the busyness or the distraction of our everyday life. So the first thing that they do is that they observe deeply and very um, 
they are very open and curious to all different things, things that they've never been exposed to before. You know, I know 60 year old people who picked up skateboarding because their grandchildren did it. You know, it was just this willingness to try and experiment. And then the second thing is that they're able to take all of these things that they've observed and they start to distill them into patterns. Patterns about maybe, you know, play, it could be patterns about communication, it could be patterns, you know, about things that are irritating. There's no rhyme or reason to the patterns that they notice, but then they're able to relate those patterns into the work that they do. And that's really where they start to bridge from the theoretical world of what they've noticed and and the patterns that they've identified into the reality of I have a job to be done. And now how do I take this inspiration related into my work and start to come up with ideas that are truly different and unique and, and fresh and have a different perspective. And their ability to consistently go through these first three steps before they ever get to the idea generation step because generate is the fourth step, is really what sets them aside as, as innovators. And I think for many organizations, they'll come together and they'll say, you know, we need new ideas. We need to figure out how to solve this problem. And they come together, there's brainstorming, there's, you know, meetings, there's all of these activities, but it doesn't start from a place of inspiration. And it's that fifth step, then being able to pitch that idea or, you know, different perspective that's the fifth step. And I think many times we hear the phrase coming up with the idea is the easy part. It's the execution that's hard. But we need ideas all the way through execution to what Jeff just mentioned about your first idea is just kind of the idea, you know, isn't going to work, but it's your starting ground. And looking at scaling innovation, one of the things that's required is teaching people how to actually think like an innovator. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it you have to have that that problem you're trying to solve is the you need to keep that clear in your mind and it's it's not really about the individual features or specific pieces that you're trying to make sure come to life it's making sure that you have the right ones to actually solve the problem and you need to keep anchored to that across the whole journey um otherwise you're just going to kind of end up doing you know what was on that first PowerPoint slide, which which may have been may have been a great idea, but may not be exactly right for the real world. And I think this process of experimentation and and having these kind of rigorous checkpoints of are we actually on the right path here? Do we still feel confident in this as we go forward? Is really important. Um, and I think what's neglected in that, you know, you talked to a lot about Carla how it's really important to have the right kind of culture and training is having honesty and humility along that journey, right? If you're pitching to somebody and saying, okay, we've been working on this for a few months, we're preparing to get something ready for market. It's really important to say, here's what's going well and here's what's not. And here's what we learned we were wrong about. And having that humility, both in terms of, you know, the feedback you've gotten, as well as even just like the business case projections that you share with your business. It's really important to have that honesty and humility because too often I think people are pressured to just say, yeah, it's going great. We're going to make $3.185 billion in three years. And we know exactly what the PL is going to look like. And that's not true. You know, you have to be honest with, with everyone. And it's important to create that kind of culture of safety to be honest about what's going on. Yeah, love that, Jeff. 